Revelation today, just kidding, Genesis chapter 1, and beginning with verse 1, we're going to look at the, the history of relationships from the very beginning, from its earliest foundations uh, through to today. Normally, you guys know I'm an exhorter. I, I say, amen, and you guys say, amen. I go, okay, they're hearing me. I will warn you, based on Thursday night's um, response to this message, I'm not really expecting any amens this morning, because what we're talking about today is forgiveness. And there's that silence I was waiting for, Yeah. Forgiveness is an issue. It's like, I'd really rather not think about what I need to forgive or talk about what's hurt me. But Jesus was, we're going to find out really quickly, man, without forgiveness, uh, things end. They stop. So let's take a look at at, um, just human relationships through the years. Um, Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. Genesis chapter 1, God creates the heavens and the earth, and he starts filling them up with people and stuff and animals and planets, and it's wonderful. And then by 31, he looks at everything he's created, and he makes this declaration. He goes, it's very good. It's not everything was good. The desert's good. The moon's good. The sun's good. The the ocean's good. The mountains are good. But then he gets to the whole thing. He's created Adam, and he he just looks at Adam, sorry, not Eve, and he goes, man, that's that's very good good. How many of us know that God once looked at mankind and said, that's very good, right? And then man is alone, and for the first time, God says, well, that's not good. How many ladies would recognize what your husband would be like without you? And you can echo the thought of God. Yeah, that's not good. He'd be lost. He'd never ask directions. The toilet seat wouldn't be up or down. I'm not sure there'd be a toilet in our house, to be honest with you, if it was just, just him. You know what I mean? Um, the, the, the tractor wouldn't say John Deere, it'd say NASCAR on it. There'd be a Hemi in it, and he'd be mowing our one-acre lot at 80 miles an hour in tight circles, right? Um, after that, God creates community by creating Eve, and this is wonderful because through that one gift, that, that other part, not that, not that, but that counterpart, that thing that's very much the same but very much different, comes into his role, and now from the two of them, they can create all mankind. So community is created through the gift of Eve. Satan deceives them. It's all Eve's fault. <laughs> Thank you for somebody laughing. I was like, quiet, like, really? I didn't know, like, no. But what's worse, the sin of Eve or the silence of Adam, who stood there and watched his wife fall into sin and said nothing about it. Now the ladies are amening, come on. Right, it's all the man's fault, as long as the Bible's true. There we go, right? It is. Genesis chapter 3, well, then God forgives them. We find this out because in, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, God takes with, with the revelation of their sin as embodied in nakedness and shame, and he kills an animal, and from that animal takes the skin and wraps it around them. So we get the first, the first indication of animal sacrifice, blood sacrifice, that, that God will, will somehow put the sins of one onto something that is innocent, that doesn't deserve death, and he's foreshadowing the, the life and death and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. Um, we find out in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, Adam and Eve forgive each other. You say, Jim, the Bible doesn't say that. It doesn't say that, but it says they start having babies. So let's just assume that... After the fight, there was making up. Let's just, let's just assume that. And there's a good chuckle there. And then lather, rinse, repeat. This is kind of the history of mankind. Do you see that? that? That God does something wonderful. Satan does something awful. Man does something unconscionable. And then there's this moment where if we don't hit a reset button called forgiveness, it all ends. If, if God hadn't forgiven Adam and Eve, it would have all ended. If Adam and Eve hadn't forgiven each other, it would have all ended. And, and I want you to hear this. Today's going to be a sobering message, and, and it needs to be. Um, I'm, I'm going to slip in as many jokes as I can to make sure those that are falling asleep are under such great conviction they don't begin weeping out loud or falling asleep. But I, but I want you to know today's message is sobering for a reason, because unforgiveness is kind of this it's okay sin that literally separates people from God for a lifetime, creates generational curses, roots of bitterness. Um, it literally is one of the greatest acceptable thieves in Christianity, 
And it is unacceptable in the eyes of God. It is inexcusable. And, and I'm going to show you this in a moment. It's actually unforgivable. We think about the only unforgivable sin as being the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. We're going to hear Jesus say multiple times in multiple very forceful, not pulling his punches away, that this as well is an unforgivable sin. So if you and I don't forgive each other, whatever God was doing ends. Whatever God was doing in your life ends. Whatever God was doing in my life through you ends. Let me tell you something. When it talks about the acts of the sinful nature, and it talks about the fruit of the Spirit and the acts of the sinful nature, it's funny because it puts unforgiveness, it puts... Um, uh, divisions and factions right between witchcraft and orgies. Now, how many of you guys know if you walk out in the foreway and someone's laying on a pentagram of goat's blood burning candles, chanting to Satan, we might want to say something about that. That might be something we bring up at the next business meeting. I won't even go into the orgy illustration because we don't need to go there. But when you walk out into, into the foyerway and someone's mad at somebody because they my coffee and this didn't happen and that youth pastor. and that, How many guys know we treat something that was put in that order for a very specific reason? It's sandwiched between the obvious ones because it's not an obvious one, but it's important. I'll tell you something else. When Jesus commands us to do something that's counter-cultural or counter-natural, we have, to, we have to reach out for the supernatural grace to do things that God has asked us to do, commanded us to do, requires us to do. Somebody can say amen there. That would be a bad spot, right? So forgiveness, just so you know, it's more powerful than sin. If, 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 let's say Dan Abel was a dear friend of mine. Dan decides not to be a dear friend of mine. He decides to become my arch enemy. He knows about me. He knows my secrets. He knows where I'm struggling. And he gets on social media and says, Pastor Jim is not what he presents himself to be. He's actually, uh, uh, he's going to vote for Bernie Sanders. Uh, he, he pets cats when nobody's looking. He cheers for Ohio State. He's the biggest hypocrite you've ever seen. I hate him. His theology's bad. His music's bad. His breath smells questionably funny. Might be a mint, might be some sort of alcoholic beverage. We don't know. I'm just putting it out there, and all of a sudden, he becomes my enemy. And in that, he sins against me, and sins against me, and sins against me, and sins against me. His sin is a great sin. It's hurting me, yes? But I can have, a, I can have an act that is more powerful than his sin. You know what it is? My friend, I forgive you, and I don't hold that against you. Because of what he did, it's being powerful, but what I do back to Dan in repentance or just, just forgiveness, I, I release you. I, mean, I forgive you. How many of you know what I did is actually more powerful than what Dan did? And what I do to Dan, if I hurt Dan, let's just make it even because he's an Ohio State fan. He's used to being hurt by people from Michigan, right? Dan, your team's awful and everybody's going to jail. And if they ever found out what's really happening at Ohio State, they'd all transfer to U of M, you know what I mean? And, and be in the promised land where everything works and puppies dance and all kinds of good stuff, right? And he goes, Ben, I, I, and I'm hating him. The minute he forgives me, what he did is more powerful than what I've done. How many of you guys know that what Jesus has done for us in forgiveness is more powerful than the sins that we've committed against him? Forgiveness is more powerful than sin. Now, let's talk about what forgiveness is, but let's talk a little bit about what it isn't. Forgiveness is not weakness. Well, if I forgive them, it's like, it's like I'm just rolling over. How many of you guys know that the pride of man, women might be easier with this, but men, man, you slap me on one cheek, I don't offer the other cheek, I give you my fist, and it feels right. You cut me off in traffic, I don't wave unless it's with one finger. It feels right. Two, like, hey, peace, or hey. I mean, you guys remember the, the, the Christian, you give him the bird, it's a turkey? Remember that? It's like, give him the bird, you have to take both hands off the wheel, so it is an act of faith. I'm just saying. It's an act of weakness. Let me tell you something. If you ever forgave somebody that didn't deserve it, you'd learn right away it's not an act of weakness. It's actually a tremendous act of faith. 
It's a tremendous act of faithfulness. It's a tremendous act of courage and strength. It's not saying it was okay. Forgiveness is not, it's okay. It didn't, it didn't, you can hit me. You can talk about me. You can steal from me. You can you know, slap my kids around and say my mama's whatever. I, that's not a problem. Like, it's not okay. Forgiving people doesn't mean that what somebody did is okay. Let's get that clear. It's not saying it didn't hurt. Oh, you know, I'm a big boy. I can take it. No, it's not saying it didn't hurt. It's saying it did hurt. It does matter. And I'm using God's strength to do this. It's saying it doesn't matter. It's not that. So what is forgiveness then? Here's a, here's a couple of definitions that might help you understand a little bit of what the Bible talks about when it says the word forgiveness. Forgive one another from your hearts. It means this. Forgiveness is the sacrificial choice to release the offender and restore relationships. It does hurt. It does matter. But I'm going to take the strength that God has put in my heart by forgiving me. I'm going to extend it to you, and I'm not going to count your sins against you just as Jesus didn't count my sins against me. Does that make sense? There's that beautiful quietness I was waiting for. Forgiveness is refusing to count past actions against someone who has sinned against you. I will not look at you as far as what you've done against me or what I love or what I care about. I will not look at you by your actions any more than God is looking at me by my past actions. I will look through the blood of Jesus and I will see someone who, who deserves the mercy of God and that will be my prayers for the mercy of God. As I'm praying for God's mercy to extend to somebody's life, it is hypocritical for me not to extend my mercy to that same person I'm praying for. Forgiveness is a big deal. Forgiveness is the key, is to get back in the Garden of Eden, back in the kingdom of God, and back in the purpose of God for your life. Hear me. It will be very difficult for you to arrive at the place God wants you to be, dragging a bunch of baggage behind you called unforgiveness. I, you will miss opportunities. You will miss openings. You will miss blessings. You'll miss the voice of God because you'll be so consumed with this, with this bitterness and this feelings, and you don't know what they did to me, Jim. And I, I would say, please hear me. I don't know what they did to you, but I do know what we're supposed to do with what they did to you. I am not here today saying your pain is, is irrelevant compared to... No, it's very relevant, and I think God certainly understands. Jesus... If anybody understands being despised and being rejected and being punched and being, you know, maligned and being lied about, like, if anybody understands this, it's the Son of God. Come on. So it isn't like he doesn't care. It's no big deal. It is a big deal. He died to make sure you had what you needed to live through this. Forgiveness is the reset button for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's a reset button. It's a very costly one. But it's the only one we have. Go back to Genesis chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4. Without this button, everything stops. Without this button in your marriage, your marriage will suffer an untimely death. Without this button in your family relationships, your in-laws, your outlaws, your neighbors, people you work with, without this button, without this reset button, the, the days of what you are enjoying now are coming to a close because it's the only thing that gets everything back to the right place again. Again, again, you go, man, how many times do I have to press that button? I'm glad you asked. Let's get in the Word this morning. Jesus is going to teach us about prayer. His disciples say, Jesus, when we pray, uh, it seems like the, 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 the noise echoes off the walls and the ceiling, but nothing really changes. When you pray, you know, eyes open up and demons leave. I'm like, would you teach us how you pray? Or how are we supposed to pray? And so Jesus does this radical, everybody say radical, a radical teaching on prayer. Matthew chapter 6 it's, uh, he says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. Can we stop for a second? Our, our what? <laughs> 
our Father. Listen, to an Orthodox Jew in a synagogue, the word Father was not often mentioned concerning the name of God. The names they used were things like Yahweh, which they were, they were allowed to spell missing a letter because of the holiness of the name of God. If you use it improperly, you'd be sinning against the holy God. So let's just use like, you know, Yah or, or other, other lesser terms so we don't, we don't misuse the name of God. Elohim, the creator, um, all these things. Jesus comes along and says, you want to pray like I pray? Okay, let's start with the beginning. You're his son. You're his daughter. Our father. That's a radical departure from the prayers. The prayers that you'd see the Jews at the wailing walls, Baruch Hashem, Adonai, Elohena. It's, it's, you know, bless are you, Lord our God. That, that's the, at the wailing wall. You see them bowing and so forth. It's, it's a very formal, he is God and you are not, and you're a flea, um, if you will, before the, the omniscience of God. And you just, oh, I'm so, like, please don't hurt me. Okay, God, are you out there? And Jesus goes, you want to pray like me? Start with this. Dad, it's radical. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That would be common. They would have known that one. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you understand how radical that is to the Orthodox Jewish mindset? And can I also say how radical that might be to the modern Christian mindset? That, that what, we're try- what Jesus is teaching us to do is not be good enough, behave yourself, be moral, obey all the codes, all the laws, all the, and, and if you're good enough, someday you get to go to heaven. He says, don't pray that way. Death is not your savior. Death is not your deliverer. You can be free here on earth and you can take the substance of the kingdom of God. You can take the substance of heaven and you can, you can exhale it on earth. You can be an emissary, an ambassador, a portal to another world. Let your kingdom, not someday we get to go there, let your kingdom come here today and let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you realize how radical that is? Now, let's continue. He goes from the, the cycle of, of planting and watering and harvest and rest to something called daily bread every day. I, there isn't like an annual harvest and droughts. You're like, no, I want a daily dependence. When you pray, you pray to be daily dependent on the presence of God, the power of God, the word of God, the truth of God. What I'm trying to say is this. Do you realize how radical this prayer is? And then he comes to this part where he says, forgive us our trespasses. Forgive us the lines that we have crossed. And here's the standard by which we, we choose mercy. To the same extent that we forgive others, we're asking you to forgive us. Now, of all the radical things Jesus said, by the time he gets to verse 14, the only thing he comes back to is that one sentence. He doesn't come back to Father. He doesn't come back to annual harvest and now daily provision. He doesn't come back to kingdom coming and will being done on earth. He comes back to one sentence. Now, if Jesus is emphasizing this one sentence, can I suggest to you it may be more challenging than the other things he said. That's why he's coming back to it. For we forgive men their sins when they sin against us. Your heavenly Father will also forgive you your sins. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your heavenly Father will not forgive you your sins. Cricket. Cricket. It's heavy, right? Like, can we come back to the kingdom on earth? Can we come back to daily provision? (laughs) Can we come back to calling God daddy? Listen, all of that is a blessing, yes, and all of that is powerful, and all of that is important, but you can't get to any of that without getting through the door of mercy. You have to forgive. He goes on, Mark chapter 11. He says this, when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your heavenly Father may forgive your sins. That isn't some anomaly in Matthew 6. He repeats the same thought in Mark chapter 4. You're going to off your offerings, and it's Old Testament language. You're going to take an offering, a drink offering, a grain offering, a tithe, and you offer it to the Lord. Wait, before you give that offering, 
don't think you can stand in the presence of holy God blameless if you're still blaming people for what they've done to you. You're not blameless before me if people aren't blameless before you. Cricket, cricket, cricket. And so he says that your heavenly father may forgive. He's like, may? Like, like may or may not? No, that, that, that key doesn't turn in the lock unless you're the one that's forgiven first. Don't offer anything to God. More important than your tithe is your soul. More important than your gift is your eternity. Don't get this, oh, I'll just offer the gift and it'll be cool. This isn't karma. You're not undoing something bad by doing something wonderful. Only Jesus and his mercy to you can give you the ability to give mercy to others, and it's demanded. Matthew chapter 18, this is where you guys doing okay? Good, because we're about to change all of that. You think the things I've said now are hard to hear. Here we go. You ready? Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked an obvious question. Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother, my sister, let's just be honest, my neighbor, my landlord, my boss, my spouse, my HOA president? How many times should I forgive people when they sin against me? Up to seven times? Seems generous. Jesus answered, I'd tell you not seven times. But 70 times 7, or 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And he began the settlement. A man who owed him him 10,000 bags of gold, which is enough to fill this platform up to my waist, was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he, his wife, his children, and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. There's a consequence for the debts that we run up, aren't there? Verse 26, at this the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me. I'm begging you, man. I'm gonna pay you back everything. Well, how many lifetimes would it take to raise 10,000 bags of gold? Somewhere between 35 lifetimes and 100 lifetimes of income. The servant's master sees him and is pathetic. and He takes pity on him. And this is what he does. The most incredibly generous merciful thing ever. He canceled the debt. How much wealth must this man have to ignore a 10,000 bag, 75,000 pounds of gold debt? And he just let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins, about a month's worth of income. And he grabbed him and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay it back. The same posture of the same words. Verse 30, but he refused. Instead, he went off and he had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and they went and they told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant. That's not justice. That's wickedness. I canceled all of that debt. I forgave you everything you'd ever done because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? And let's be honest, this is, the master is God the Father in this. He says, in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured. What? How long? Well, until he could pay back all he owed. Well, how can you raise 10,000 bags of gold from prison? He's going to die in prison being tortured. And this is how, listen, hear me, this is the Bible. Jesus speaking, red letters. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or your sister from your heart. You guys okay? God's going to torture me? No. You're going to torture yourself if you don't forgive. 
think the best example of forgiveness I ever heard is me drinking poison and expecting my enemy to die. It's ludicrous. If you don't let it go, if you don't forgive, and we talked about the definitions of forgiveness, if you don't receive what God is giving you and extend it to those who do things that are not nearly as costly, not nearly as bad as what we've all done against God, then you will not be forgiven and you'll be tortured by it. That word tortured, it, it, it doesn't mean they're going to put bamboo shoots under their fingernails. It means there's going to be an endless, painful, unending season of, of pain. It doesn't begin at death as we go to hell. It begins right here and now as we live outside of a covenant of mercy. We become merciless. We become judgmental. I, I just want to share with you just uh, something. I, and maybe this helps you, maybe it doesn't. But as a, the pastor of this church many years ago, I suffered from what I would just call a root of bitterness. Someone had hurt me. Someone had betrayed me. It was someone I trusted. And what was funny is in my, I didn't think it was unforgiveness. I just thought I was mad. That makes sense? So I'm mad and, you know, I trusted this guy. He's on my staff. He's, no, you don't know him. This is before most of you were born. You know, that's how old I am. There's a depressing thought. Give me a minute. And then he moved to Idaho. Just kidding, Pastor Adam. Just, just kidding. But that was fun. <laughs> but, you know, it was one of those things where, like, when I was in the shower or I was driving through Ohio or just there's that, there's that droning, nothing really going on, nothing really to pay attention to. It was funny how that was always playing somewhere in my soul. It was just there. And I find myself kind of reliving those moments and saying the meanest thing I could. And because it's actually me and possibly a demonic spirit talking to me, somehow I always knew the right thing that that, that person in my imagination would say back to me. And it just got bigger and bigger. Finally, one day I said, I got to stop playing the record, man. I got I to gotta, I stop this. I got to end this. This is, this is taking too much energy. So, all right, God, I, for, I forgive that person. There, I'm good. The next day I'm in the shower. And guess what's in the shower waiting for me? It's right there. I'm driving to Ohio or through Ohio. How many of you know, once you get to Toledo, you don't need a steering wheel until you hit Kentucky. It's just a straight 75. It's just, you don't need it. It's like driving up north. And, and so I'm just, you know, and I was there and I get, find myself mad. I said, what are you thinking about? Oh, uh, uh, think about you, baby. He goes, why do you look so angry? It's like, I wasn't thinking about you. I was thinking about something else. It happened years ago, years ago. And what's funny is I said, I forgive. And it said, oh, oh you think this is over? You've given me a place so long that forgiveness is no longer what's needed. It's deliverance. Now, I, I don't know all the theology. I don't, I don't believe I was demon-possessed. I just know this. I had burned so many neuron paths in my brain physiologically. My soul had been so poisoned by what I'd entertained for so long that when I said, okay, I'm done, I woke up the next morning just like you reach for your eyeglasses, just like you grab for your first cup of coffee, just like you look for your keys, like whatever you do normally, it was the normal pattern of my day. It, be, it had become a part of me. And so I had, I had to go deeper than I forgive. The first day it happened, I could have forgiven. But two years later, it ain't that simple. What I had built to protect my heart was not a fortified wall. It was a prison cell, and I was its captive. And I had to ask God to forgive me of not forgiving. And that took a little while, the better part of a week. I just sought the Lord. God, this has to go. God, this, what, what am I missing? What am I? And the Lord said, it's not about forgiving him. That, that's, you've done that now. What happens now is you've got to forgive yourself. I have to forgive you. I have to bring some freedom. And, and this, I'm not making this theology. I'm just, this is testimony. Does that make sense? So this isn't like, do this, and this will all work for you. Three easy steps to be free from the person who hurts you worse. This is my testimony in this one instance. I actually had to go back to the first place I realized that I was offended. I brought Jesus with me, if you will. 
And I said, from the very first sin, I forgive him right here and right now. Another thing that happens, I started from that place to God and I bless him and I bless him and I bless him and I bless him. If the thought tried to come back, you don't bless him. He's nothing but a no good mother. I bless his mother. I bless him. I bless him. I, and, what, and physiologically, I think what was happening, Dr. Caroline Leaf would say, I was burning new neuron paths. I was getting new Christ-like reflexes. But in the end, you know what? I can look at that guy. I can hug him. I love him. I pray for his blessing. When he comes to mind, it's not a bad memory. It's, it's, a, it's a need for prayer. Does this make sense? I, I just want to pray. I just want to bless him. God bless his family. God bless his business. God bless him, you know? I am free because I set someone else free. And if I hadn't, I would not be free. Guys, just remember this. Jesus isn't commanding us to do something he hasn't done himself. Well, he doesn't know what I'm going through. Wait a minute. Naked, beaten, mocked in front of his mama. And he says, by pulling himself, by crushing ulna nerves, by crushing femoral nerves, he pulls himself up, opening up the wounds on his back, and in great agony says loud enough with the breath he's drawn in, he lets it out and says, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Don't tell Jesus he doesn't understand. And please be careful to tell Jesus that what you're going through is harder than what he went through. He's not a do-as-I-say God. He's definitely a do-as-I-do Savior. He's done this. He understands. And everything I've been through pales in comparison to that one moment of great mercy. There's a lot of things written down in heaven. The book of Revelation tells us there's scrolls filled with information, names and Acts 29s and all that kind of stuff. But nowhere in, in the annals of recorded history in heaven are there the names of the men who crucified Jesus. It never happened. The whole world knows it happened. But God says, I've applied the mercy that was asked for to those men. They may have gone to hell for other reasons. They may have gone to heaven. I don't know. Scripture doesn't record it. But I know this, what they did that day was forgiven. And what we bind on earth is bound in heaven. What we loose on earth is loosed in heaven. He forgave them and they were loosed. And so there's no crime. We have a lot of uh, cultural stuff. Who's going to be most like Jesus? Well, the most generous thing we can do or the most Christ-like thing we can do or the most sacrificial thing we can do. Can I, can I say this? I think, I think you're never going to be more like Jesus than when you forgive people that don't deserve it. <laughs> I think if there's anything that tests, uh, tests the, the, the depth of a woman, that tests the, the grit of a man, it's not how hard you can punch him in the face. It's how you can walk away and hold your head high knowing you've done the right thing. You'll never be more like Jesus than when you forgive people that don't deserve it. That's what he did for me. That's what he did for you. My dad and I didn't like each other. We, we didn't care for each other. It's probably a better way to say it. He's my father. I loved him. I'm his son. He loved me. We didn't care for each other. It was an obligation. I don't know if you have this in your life, but every time I was around my dad, what I had to hear right away is it's been a long time since you were here. Where you been? <laughs> there were times as the Alzheimer's progressed in his memory where I don't, I don't think he really knew what day it was, or, but he knew that I hadn't been there to see him in a long time. Where you been? I've been waiting for you. You never call. You never write. It's like I was here yesterday. You have Alzheimer's. I'm coming on a regular basis and you're complaining as if I, you know, well, I didn't remember you coming. Well, it's because you have Alzheimer's. I do. It's like I'm arguing with somebody that doesn't know what day it is. What was funny was I'd never seen a greater example of the power of forgiveness. My, my family had been through things that my dad, some of, some of it was his fault. Some of it was, was not his fault. But as, as his memories regressed beyond yesterday to the last year to 20 years ago and 30 years ago, I watched as my dad became more and more merciful as he stopped holding people's sins against them. 
when he forgave my mother, not by forgiving my mother, but by forgetting my mother, I saw an instantaneous change. When he got beyond that, uh, that moment where uh, his mother had told his dad to go to work anyway, we need the money, got to go to work, got to go to work. He went to the work and he, and he suffered his fourth heart attack at 39 years old or whatever it was and died. My father never forgave his mother for, for you know, driving his father like that. Never forgave her, never forgave her, never forgave her. But when his memory regressed beyond that, I, I watched as the man like, where have you been? You're not the, the, the uh, engineer from Ford Motor Company who, you know, his, his job was to find fault, point it out and cash a paycheck for it. You want to be that guy's son? Hey, I hit a single. Well, it wasn't a double because you didn't keep your head down. I hit a double. Yeah, but you're capable of a triple. Hey, I hit a home run. Okay, well, let's try soccer. <laughs> Would you just say you're proud of me, you idiot? You know? <laughs> he didn't have it in him. He didn't receive it. And I couldn't even, later on, I realized I couldn't ask him to give what he'd never received himself. That makes sense. So when he said, you're an idiot, I went, thank you, Dad, because that's the way you express love is by finding fault. I know it sounds sick, but it worked for us. And as, as it regressed, there came a day where he didn't know who I was and he didn't know who he was. Can I tell you something? I became closer to my dad in the last six months of his life than I did in the first 49 and a half years of mine. He became a gentle man. Everybody loved him. When he sat down at the cafeteria table, it, it was like Justin Bieber sat down. All the 90-year-old gals gathered around him. Hey, Ralph, how are you? You just smile. I have no idea. People loved him. Couldn't play cards, couldn't talk politics. He just became a kind man. Can I tell you something? Here's my prayer for you. Hear me. May your brains be healthy every day for the rest of your lives. May your souls prosper from what can only be known as the Alzheimer, the forgiveness, the forgetting. May you be purged from everything that's hurt you. And may you release everyone who's done it to you. As you have been forgiven, you must forgive. And if you don't, we die bitter. We die alone. We destroy what God is building. We end what God wants to continue. And in the end, I'm quoting Jesus on multiple occasions in multiple verses. There is no loophole for unforgiveness legally. Forgiven, you're forgiven. Don't forgive and you are not. Is it worth that? Jim, if I forgive, will I feel better tomorrow? Maybe. Maybe I'll try to come back twice as hard tomorrow. But when it comes back, those feelings come back, may I find a door that's locked, bolted shut, with a note on it that says, go to another door. Because you can't say hell in church in a sentence. I am no longer your pinata to slap around. I am free because of the mercy of God, and I extend the mercy of God. As I have hurt God, they have hurt me. We're going to walk in, in freedom and liberty. I will not be a slave of unforgiveness any longer. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I just wonder this. You know what? Can I reverse that? Open your eyes and lift your heads. Let's, let's not do it that way. I, I was just thinking this morning, like, I, maybe I shouldn't do it that way. So just here I am. If this morning you realize there's somebody in your life you need to forgive, I understand if they're sitting next to you, it might be weird. So let's not create new dynamics that need mercy, but just everybody's eyes open, everybody looking around. Because I think as a community, we should celebrate this moment and not, not okay, I'll just be kind of, right? How many of you guys realize there's something in your life that needs to go away? And today, with the help and grace of God, you will forgive as you've been forgiven. I see your hand. All right. I think it's important that this is common among us. 
not, not that rare exception. Yeah, I, I need to let it go. So, Father, for every uplifted hand, and those who didn't know they should, God, I just, I just pray. We, right now, with our free will, extend mercy, forgiveness. We press the button. Not that it didn't hurt. Not that it doesn't matter. Not that it's okay. Where there is a need for justice, we trust that you're a just God. We really don't want the justice of God in our lives. We want the mercy of God. And so we pray, would you give mercy to the people that have hurt us? We'd love to be reconciled somehow. We'd love to be um, free and in unity. We'd love to have forgiveness and reconciliation. God, we'd love, we'd love for your kingdom to come into this right now and your will to be done on earth just like it would be if you're standing in the room with us with all of your mercy. We forgive as we have been forgiven. Now heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You're here today. In the last two minutes, you're like, Jim, I, I think it goes deeper than this. I think there's a problem between me and God. I don't, I don't think it's just a problem between me and people. I think I got a problem like with God. I, I do have questions like, where was he when I went through this? I do have questions like, why did you let this happen? I do have questions. And I, I don't suggest today that God needs our forgiveness but as relationships can be reconciled through mercy, would you receive his mercy today to forgive you, to forgive me, to forgive them? Would you hit the reset button as it stands between you and God? And again, God never sins. There is a devil. He's working full-time to steal, kill, destroy. Many things God gets blamed for, God has nothing to do with. He weeps with us. He's in pain with us. His compassion extends to us. It isn't fair when God blesses us and we call it luck and the devil curses us and we call it God. Come on, somebody say amen. That's not fair. You, that, that doesn't even make sense. It was an act of God. Really? A drunk driver running into a car and killing somebody was an act of God? No, it was an act of madness. War was an act of God? No, it was an act of men. Famine? There's enough food on this planet. Just... We throw it away and we're greedy and it costs too much to send it there. God gets blamed for every bad thing, but God is actually, according to Scripture, responsible for every good and perfect thing and not responsible at all for anything that's ever harmed us. So if you're here today and you're like, I just, I don't know what to do with God. How about this? How about, how about you just love him back? If you're here today and you're not right with him for a variety of reasons, today's your day to receive his mercy. And he is merciful. He can't ask you. You'll say, well, I've sinned so many times. He just told us to forgive each other 70 times 7 per day, 490 times per day. Now, I defy anybody to break the same law of God 490 times in a single day. That's a busy day. And if he has commanded me to forgive you, how much more? God's not a hypocrite, guys. How much more is God willing to forgive us, even though we've asked for forgiveness in the same place before? You'll learn how to walk by falling down multiple times, but it'll be your father that picks you up again and again and says, try it again, try it again. Hey, you took a step. Hey, you took two steps. God's a loving father. He's not a, he's not a cruel judge. If you're not right with God, but you want to be, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. A simple raise of the hand will tell me that you're here today. The day's the day I'm coming home. All over this room. Would you raise your hand right now? Hands go up. I love it. I love it, I love it. Would you pray this with me right now? Come on, Freedom Center Church. People in this room want to make a decision to get right with God. We're going to provide an atmosphere that helps them with that right now. Say this with me. Simple prayer. Say this with me all over this room. Jesus, I was wrong, and you're right, and I ask for you to forgive me. Set me free. As right now, right here, I set them free. 
everyone that's hurt me, that's forgiven. I don't need feelings. They'll come soon enough. But by faith, I obey. Thank you for your mercy. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Teach me your word. I love you back. And I'll see you soon. Amen. Would you stand to your feet, please? Nobody leave quite yet. I said, Jim, you've gone seven minutes over. I can't think of a better time for me to say I'm sorry and you have to forgive me. <laughs> Altar workers are moving forward to pray for anything else that's going on in your life. It can be physical, emotional, spiritual, financial. People that I trust that have the ministry of faith and prayer coming to this altar to pray for you. you walk out the door with the need you came in. I, I, I would counsel you not to. Sometimes walking forward in faith uh, is a much better response than walking out the door uh, faithless. So God's faithful, but let's, let's take him up on that today. Amen? So in the meantime, you guys know when I do this, it's not a Star Trek thing, right? Do you know that or no? This is, this is uh, the Hebrew letter, the sign for Shin, which is uh, it's Jehovah in, in Hebrew is spelled with the letter uh, uh, Y, and this is the letter Y. So it's, a, it's a Leonard Nimoy in Star Trek opened up his eyes during a rabbinical blessing when he shouldn't have his raised Orthodox Jew, and he saw this. So Spock did this. But when I say live long and prosper, that is a literal blessing from God. I'm putting the letter of God over your face, over your home, over your marriage, over your community, and I am truly saying to you, live long and prosper. God bless you. Now may you be a blessing. May you be merciful. May you be salt. May